Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Leading off this edition of The Intersection, there are comments from Shelley Rushing Tomlinson, who provides some insight into interactions between Jesus and his disciples based on her observations on the book of John. Then, more observations into the scriptures from the book of Revelation with Bible prophecy expert Jeff Kinley, who concentrates on what we can learn about the Lord and who he is from reading that book. And on this edition of The Intersection from the 2023 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Orlando, Greg Mayo of an organization called Support After Abortion presents a Christ-centered look at the issues that men who have fathered children who have been aborted struggle with and how the peace of Christ can minister to their hearts. Finally, Kimberly Ganow of Alabaster House stopped by Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at NRB and elaborated on how that ministry is involved in providing hope and spiritual encouragement for lawmakers in Washington, D.C., and their families. You'll be hearing from that conversation as well. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Shelley Rushing Tomlinson is known as a Christian communicator and spoke with me recently about her latest book, which is entitled Seizing the Good Life, Discover Peace and Joy Through the Study of John's Gospel. Chapter by chapter, she presents her observations and insight into how Jesus related to his disciples and how he wants to relate to us today. Here now from a recent Meeting House conversation about some of the principles in the book is Shelley Rushing Tomlinson. John's gospel for me is where I send people that want to love the word and don't. You know, I'm like getting John's gospel because it's just that for me. So I have always personally had that, you know, had that love for this particular gospel and taught on it a lot. But it was the pandemic that moved me to write on it because I looked around, you know, and the subtitle of this book is Discover Peace and Joy Through the Study of John's Gospel. And when we were, um, you know, going through, and this was early stages of the pandemic that I began, you know, feeling the need and the call to write on this. Man, peace and joy were in zero supply, Mm. you know, around me. Everyone was frantic. Everyone was panicking. I don't by any means want to belittle the people that suffered great loss during that. But, 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 Bob, here's the thing. And I say this with zero judgment, but I looked around and, and in so many instances, the body of Christ looked as fearful and as, upset and as nervous and anxious as unbelievers and and that's that's a sad sad commentary and and i i say it with great love in my heart but i was like that it shouldn't be right we're we're supposed to we want to walk through this world pandemics and everything else Mm. differently than those that are around us. And so that was really the the nucleus, if you will, of the inception of like, I've got a right. I've got a right to God's people because we don't often experience that peace and joy because we, um, 
for no better way of saying it, we compartmentalize our lives. Mm. And so there's our church life, there's our Sunday, and then there's, oh, my gosh, the pandemic's raging on Tuesday. And, you know, as if Jesus is not here, he was Sunday. And, and, you know, we just, we don't mean to, but we do that. And so this book, I titled it Seizing the Good Life because, you know, everyone's looking for that, right, the good life. And so I hope even unbelievers would pick it up because of that. But mm. Jesus is the good life that I want the book to, I want the message of the book to resonate yeah. with believers, to understand and that Jesus is the good life. He's not par, partial, you know, of it. He, he's not just a piece, but he is that life. And seeking him with all that we have is where we find that peace and joy. Well, and even in the aftermath of the pandemic, you still have... I think, as you look around, a peacelessness. I don't know if that's a word, mm-hmm. but for the sake of this yeah. discussion, we'll, 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 we'll it call fun. it so. Yeah. That's right. We'll put it in the lexicon okay. here. Peace, a pandemic right. of peacelessness or of mm-hmm. joylessness. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of peace and joy if we look around us and what we unfortunately expose ourselves to through media and, and communication and even mm-hmm. interactions. We find that that people are are struggling with various things. There's anxiety and worry that's all around us. Okay, now, now that I've painted such a rosy picture, how is it that how Jesus and John interacted can really, as you see it, address this lack of peace and joy that's in our world oh, and sometimes I, in our lives today. Thank you. I have I have endeavored in this book to give us 21 keys, 21 uh, practices, if you will, of how to find that peace and joy. So each chapter the, the, the title of each chapter in itself is one of the answers. Like, for instance, as you were setting that question up so so articulately, and, and I probably won't be as articulate, but allow me to try. Thank, thank you. I was, kind. Thinking, I, I was thinking of chapter three that says, look away from yourself and live. And that is like, that is the whole message of that chapter. That that's where we find life is by looking away from ourselves and live. And so when we look to that peacelessness, I think it's a great word, um, that is around us and the joylessness that's, you know, prevalent in our society, it is a byproduct or a result. That's the word I'm looking for. It is a result of our look at me mentality, right? Mm. Me, me, me. Um, look at me. Everyone's promoting me. We're all promoting ourselves at the expense of our souls when we do that. Shelly Rushing Tomlinson here on The Intersection. You can find her online at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-I-E-T dot com. Well, next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Bible prophecy expert Jeff Kinley. He has authored a book entitled God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Final Days. He offers some observations on what we can learn about the Lord and who he is from this book of the Bible. Here now from that conversation is Jeff Kenley. Well, I just began with the very first words of the book. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ. So right there in the first uh, you know, four or five words of the book of Revelation, it tells us, hey, you're going to know about Jesus. 
And really, Jesus is the theme throughout the entire book. He's the one that gives the revelation. Uh, he's the one that, it, that reveals himself in chapter 1. He's the one that reproves the churches in chapters 2 and 3. And it just goes on and on and on. He's the one that comes back at the end of the tribulation period on the white horse. And so you learn so much about who God is, and really not just some of the expected attributes, but some things that are also surprising that we see in Revelation about God. Well, we think about the book of Revelation and the the various events that are depicted there. And it seems like, I mean, you look at the first chapter and I think about those words as Jesus referred to himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning mm -hmm. and the end. So that first chapter devoted to familiarizing or reacquainting us with who Jesus is, then you've got those seven letters to the churches. So how do those letters to the churches, chapters two and three of Revelation, kind of set us up for what's to come in the book, and, and what do we learn about God through this, this continuity, if you will? Yeah, the, those letters to the seven churches are Christ's way of saying, I want my bride to be ready for me uh, when I come back for her to take her to heaven. And uh, just like any bride should be dressed and ready and made up and, and ready for the wedding and her heart is in the right place, uh, Jesus wants the church today to, to, to be that for him. And you know, for those seven churches, there were five of those churches, Bob, that uh, Christ gave a lot of uh, rebuke to, two of them that he didn't, and they really sort of parallel or mirror uh, the church today, and each of those churches say something about the church today, I believe, uh, and so for us as well, as we get closer to these prophetic events being uh, time of their fulfillment, I think it's important for us as well to get our hearts ready individually and as the church at large, so that sets really sets up the whole book because if you look at the rest of Revelation, the rest of Revelation is very traumatic, it's catastrophic, it's chaotic, uh, but as you said, there still is a God who's in control, and unless we are able to get our hearts right with God to begin with, then that's, gonna, that's not going to make much sense to us. So we have to first get our hearts calibrated to Jesus, make sure he's on the throne of our hearts, and then we can handle the rest of Revelation. Jeff Kinley is joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio, noted Bible prophecy expert, the author of this book called God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory in Earth's Last Days. So, Jeff, as we look at the book of Revelation, let's start in chapter 4, if you will. And you see an incredible picture of the Lamb on the throne, and you see those in heaven giving him honor and glory. What do those pictures, if you will, those snapshots of the glory of God and God's incredible presence in heaven, how can that really minister to us here on earth today? You know what? Honestly, that that was uh, studying that chapter was perhaps one of the most uplifting experiences of my life because after Jesus rebuked the churches and before he unleashes his judgments, his horrific judgments on planet Earth, uh, Jesus says to John in Revelation 4, John, come up here. And so John in his spirit is catapulted up to heaven. And the Bible says the very first thing he notices is a throne. Uh, above angels, above the beauty of heaven, above people who are there, he sees a throne, and the Bible says that throne is occupied and that it's standing or established. And the word throne is repeated some 13 times in 11 verses in that chapter. And I think the point there is that 
John's about to see how the world's going to come apart. It's going to look like everything is out of control. Uh, Satan is in charge. And yet God wanted John to know while all that's happening that he was still in charge of it all. And that's what that throne represents. And so I think for our personal lives, Bob, we, we look at that and we go, you know, if God can still be in control when Antichrist is ruling the earth and judgments are falling and people are cursing God, and all these things, then certainly uh, he can be in charge of my world right now and in the midst of my problems and my chaos just to know that God is on his throne, all is well, I can trust him, it's going to be fine. Jeff Kinley here on this edition of The Intersection. You can find him online at jeffkinley.com. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can get more information through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find those links to the Intersection Podcast, including its Apple Podcast feed. Plus, you can find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the Intersection Podcast, as well as the Meeting House radio program on Faith Radio. Also, through the Meeting House homepage, You'll find a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel through which you can watch video with Meeting House guests, including recently added content from the National Religious Broadcasters 2023 Convention in Orlando. You can also find links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can reach The Meeting House homepage through the programming menu at faithradio.org. And you can find conversations from The Meeting House program by going to the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, TuneIn, and other podcast platforms. Well, moving on now on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the chair of the National Men's Task Force for the organization called Support After Abortion and the author of the book Almost Daddy, The Forgotten Story. His name is Greg Mayo, in a conversation at the 2023 NRB convention in Orlando, he discussed part of his own story and offered hope and perspective from a biblical point of view for men whose babies have been aborted. Here now from that conversation is Greg Mayo. The short version, Bob, is at 18 years old, uh, my girlfriend had an abortion. Um, I was against it. Happened anyway. And it sent me down a path of confusion. Uh, nobody back then was talking about men and abortion, right? Um, and so I had nowhere to go with, with these feelings. I knew something was wrong. And, and, and yet, even though I protested, I did what society told me I should do, which was be supportive. So I went with her and her mother to the clinic. Um, we walked in. I was immediately asked to go wait outside. And so I sat on the steps and, and I saw out over the parking lot that uh, there had been a protest maybe that morning or maybe the day before. I don't know. But I saw these signs, um, baby killer, burn in hell, stuff like that, right? And, and um, it told me at that moment, wrongly, but it told me, the way I interpret that at 18 was, okay, God doesn't want me. And so, obviously, to be 
at the end of my high school career and a part of an unplanned pregnancy, I was already doing things counterintuitive mm. to what God teaches. I understand that. But that pushed me further away. At, at 25, I saw a therapist about some other stuff, uh, and I mentioned the abortion, and, and his response was, well, that's not really a thing. Tell me more about your family. So even mm. clinicians, right? And, and it wasn't until I was 39 um, that I was, I, I was doing a men's group at my church uh, on a book that had nothing to do with abortion. It was called When Life is Hard. And at some point during the middle of the conversation with all these men from my church, the Holy Spirit said, hey, uh, share with these brothers about that abortion thing. And I, and I said, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that, right? I mean, can you imagine? I've been going to church with these men for a long mm -hmm. time. None of them have ever talked about abortion. But the Holy Spirit said it again. He said, no, mm -hmm. seriously, you need to share this. And, Bob, my hands were shaken, and I had got cotton mouth and, and mm -hmm, my stomach mm -hmm. hurt and I got it out. Well, here's what happened. Three of the other men in that group that night shared their abortion story. And I talked to my pastor the next morning. I could hardly wait to call him. And, and I, I realized I, I was onto something. I'm not the only one that has been at that point had been dealing with it for 21 years. Mm -hmm. um, and that started my journey into healing and recovery and working through recovery books with my pastor every week and and really trying to find some peace about it. Greg Bayo is joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio from the organization called Support After Abortion. This is the National Religious Broadcasters Convention 2023 in Orlando, Faith Radio and the Meeting House here at NRB. Well, Greg, let's talk just a bit when you talk about this whole area of, well, as the name of the organization suggests support after abortion what have you found to be unless uh, continuing to talk specifically as far as men at abortion and you have you know and and as the data points out you you think about the 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 number of men that whose wives girlfriends or or whoever that they you know that they basically fathered a child with mm -hmm. you have those men that did not you know did not want her to have an abortion that takes place you also find that men are encouraging women to have an abortion they want that to go away thinking that somehow by ter terminating the life of the child that's going to make it right go away so how did the data actually let me let me do a little bit of a side here how did the data actually come down with respect to the uh, the viewpoint of men in these circumstances so that's a great question and and what the assumption was leading up to the study was that uh, men often pushed for the abortion mm -hmm. but the study data didn't bear that out 57 percent of mm -hmm. men said they had no voice or choice in the abortion whatsoever okay so 57% had no, nothing to say about it at uh -huh. all. And then 71% said that they had an adverse change in themselves after the abortion. So to me, that flies in the face of what has been the cultural narrative of most men wanted it. Mm -hmm. Now, I grant you, some men did. Um, and they bought into the lie that it, it's not a baby, it's not a person, it'll make life easier, whatever. But... The truth of the matter is, even pro-choice men, even men in our study that said, I'm okay with abortion as a concept, still reported adverse change in themselves after the abortion. 
From the 2023 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Orlando, that was Greg Mayo of Support After Abortion. Here on the Intersection Podcast, you can learn more at supportafterabortion.com. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the co-founder and executive director of Alabaster House, which ministers to members of Congress and their families. Her name is Kimberly Ganau, and in our NRB conversation, she discussed the work of the organization and how she has seen God move through that ministry. Here now from that conversation, here is Kimberly Ganau. We have a number of members that say, you know, when they walk in that door, they can just be themselves, not mm. necessarily a member of Congress or their role or what they do, but their identity really is in Christ. And so it is an opportunity to just be who God's called you to be without the title. So I would say friendship is absolutely essential as you know the higher you go in leadership the more less likely places of trust and authenticity these leaders will find and that is one of the things that we actually have provided for them over the last 25 years well as you look at these opportunities that god has given to you what have you found to be some of the main issues that Mm -hmm. lawmakers that public officials are facing Well, it's interesting because there's a number of issues. You know, what I want to communicate is that these members of Congress and other government leaders like them face the exact same things that you and I do. And often we put them on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and we feel that they're, um, you know, somehow living a different life, but they struggle the same way that you and I do. So I would just really want to let our listeners know that uh, if you want to be praying for our members of Congress or government leaders in general, we're in all three branches. also working with governors and first spouses. So there's a lot of opportunities to pray, but it could be anxiety that they're facing, um, heavy burdens on uh, legislation, pressures at home. They travel, the spouses, most of them stay at home in their home state. There's a smaller percentage of those that will come uh, to Washington. So all of those things that you think about in your own family, in your own Mm -hmm. marriage, strengthening those, those would be essential prayers. Kimberly Ganow joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio. It is the 2023 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Orlando. So as you mentioned, you have these lawmakers. They're elected from various all across, well, all across the nation, states, all across America. Many of them come to Washington without their families, right. as you pointed out. You have mm-hmm. some that will bring their, their families or, or maybe a spouse, whatever the case may be. Tremendous pressure exerted upon these officials. And I would imagine from a a spiritual perspective, there are temptations Mm -hmm. that take place. People have struggles. Tough to keep a family together, I would imagine, when especially when you have the lawmaker in D.C., and the families back home. 100%. I want to just share with you, uh, just to bring this situation to a little bit more clarity, uh, we had one congressional spouse who was really just under that pressure, and even after office, you still feel that pressure. So uh, it's tremendous, and they were just feeling at the time there was a lot of um, anxiety and pressure and the travel, and she actually jumped in her car and drove um, um, wanting to leave her husband that day. 
And we sat down and spent literally the entire day talking about um, God's faithfulness, how her husband loves her, and uh, really the value of marriage and to stay in um, this relationship, that God is going to redeem this. And, you know, waiting for that breakthrough, praying for that breakthrough. And at the end of our time together, she was like, I know you're right. It's just they were feeling it at the time. And often that's when we make some of those poor decisions. And you need a ministry like Alabaster House to come alongside and just remind them of the faithfulness of God. And so, in fact, she did return and Mm. um, they've been still together to this day. Well, you have the one-on-one relationships. You also, as I understand it, you hold Bible studies for members of Congress as well, correct? So we call them chapels. And so Uh it's interesting because uh, I like to weave together three elements for a chapel that we do. And it really is uh, devotional. So we're sharing from the Word of God something relevant to their situation that they might be going through. Um, Then we also like to play a worship set for them. Um, and then just bring in that because it's often uh, a refuge. You know, it's an opportunity for them to just connect with God. We spend a lot of time talking to one another, especially in Washington. And so our goal is to get them to uh, go vertical, right, to talk to God during those times. And also uh, we end with a time of prayer uh, and reflection. So uh, that's really a lot of what we do, the chapels. And we had them even when it was on lockdown, razor mm. wire around, you know, the whole perimeter and you know, not being able to get in yet somehow God saw fit to bring us in. Mm. Kimberly Ganow here on The Intersection. You can find out more about Alabaster House by going to the ministry website, alabasterhouse.org. We are nearing the conclusion of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or the programming section at faithradio.org. Just look for the link marked The Meeting House. When you visit The Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you could go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast and The Meeting House radio program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. Plus, you can watch video of Meeting House guests through the Faith Radio YouTube channel. There is a link provided there. Plus, through the Meeting House homepage, you can connect with two blogs. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.